Amy, can we close with that song today? I really appreciate Amy's dedication and her willingness and uh, her submission to the Spirit. I got to tell you, you can't, you can't even begin to understand how closely the set that she provided, the songs that we sang today, fit with what we're going to talk about uh, as I preach. And uh, that comes from God, uh, because I didn't sit down and give her a, hey, do these songs. Well, there's one song I ask her to do, and you'll see why later. But uh, that, that was Amy listening to God. And, and I appreciate that Amy has a willingness to allow the Spirit to guide her as she leads us in worship. And uh, not an easy job. Amen? Amen. You need to say amen. Church music is not an easy job anymore. It's a, it's a more difficult task than you can even begin to understand. And I really appreciate her, her humble um, willingness just to allow the spirit to lead her. Who we are, we're in, into the flannel graph series, and who we are determines what we do. We've been, we've been looking at that, and then we've been talking about how God's story helps us find our identity as the people of God. We've been looking at God's story, but, but you realize you're part of God's story, right? <laughs> that, that, that As I look around this congregation, there's people in this congregation that God has been working through your life, and, and I appreciate that. As we talked about bad singers, my, my mind went back to Leroy Banks. <laughs> Leroy Banks was a guy that was in a church where I grew up, and Leroy could not sing worth a lick. I mean, he was terrible. And the churches I grew up in were a lot smaller than this church. You know, there may be a 50 or, 50 or 60 people there on a Sunday morning. And when someone can't sing when there's 50 or 60 people, you hear them, right? And Leroy didn't just sing, but he sang loud. And I can remember being around Leroy and thinking, if he can sing, I can sing. So, see, my family's full of musicians. You know, my, my, my boys pick up stuff, and they can sing and do things. My mom's got a beautiful voice and, you know, plays the piano. My little brother, Bobby, can play. Nelson, you've seen my brother. He can play beautifully on the piano. I can't even hardly play the radio. <laughs> and so the temptation in those settings is to say, well, those are singers. I'm not. My wife can sing, and sometimes I feel so sorry for her when she's standing next to me when I'm trying to sing. But can I encourage you, even if you don't feel like you can't sing or you don't feel like you've got that gift, sing out. You don't know who's standing around you that will say, if they can sing, I can sing. And I got to tell you, singing means something to me. When I sing these words, and I talk about running into the arms of Jesus, it means something to me more than just standing listening to those words. So I encourage you, sing out. What? See, our stories matter, and that's why we share our stories. And this isn't in my sermon. See, I didn't preach last week, so this is going to be like an hour and a half. That's why we share your stories. And some of you, Gene gets embarrassed when he, we share his story. But Gene, your story helps us find our true identity. And we see how people are serving us. It's not about the people. It's about what God is doing in their life. And it allows us to understand what our part in that story will be. Last, before I, I left, I, I did Geneva Massey's funeral and Gladys Castle's funeral. See, their stories help us understand what it means to be servants of God. They show us the way. And, and so I hope... 
we don't always invite you to do this, but it's, it's, it's an open invitation. As God's moving in your life, those, those communication cards, those commitment cards, those welcome cards, you might trace out, hey, God's doing this in my life and drop it in the box. You might send me an email or a text or drop by and see me and tell me how God's moving in your life because I want to know. We've been tracing through this story and we talked about creation and catastrophe and we talked about covenant and we talked about detours and deliverance and, and today we're going to begin talking about commandment and community. And uh, I got to tell you, this series, I'm trying to get this series done in a set amount of weeks. Uh, but but as, I, as I trace through these stories, I, I meant to go a lot further in the story than I'm going to end up going because it's such an important part of the story that I think we need to see it. And, and I got to tell you, be, be prepared. I'm going to ask for a response today. Uh, typically, we, we, you can respond in, in your chairs, in your pews. What, what, do we call these pews or we just call them chairs? What do we call them? Chairs? Okay. Well, in your pew or chair, I'll call it what I want because, you know, I'm up here and I got the mic and you don't, okay? <laughs> that wasn't nice, was it? I need reprimanded. Um, you can respond there, but there's something special about altars, I still believe in altars. Uh, you know, if other churches, that, that's fine. I, different strokes for different folks. But, but I believe there's something uniquely powerful in responding to God by coming to an altar. Uh, I, I know in my life, I've never regretted a time that I came to the altar. And, 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 and most of the time, I, I, when I've come to an altar, it's not because, been a, because of some deep, dark sin, but it's been because God has been speaking. And so be prepared. At the end of this service, I'm going to open altars. And I encourage you, if God's speaking, come. Respond to Him. So we're talking about commandment and community today. And it's 50 days past the Red Sea. It's Pentecost. It's the giving of the law. There's a, there is an, a, a little bit of a... It's a foreshadowing of what's to come with Jesus. With Jesus, you have the Passover and the crucifixion. And then 50 days later, you have Pentecost, which is the giving of the law, the writing of the law on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we see this in this Old Testament story. Moses delivers the slaves through the Red Sea. And after 50 days, they find themselves before Mount Sinai. And God begins to give them the law. He begins to give them a way of life. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my special treasure from among all the people on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain, called together the elders of the people, and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. And so what I want us to see first is, as, as we're moving through this is, is God invites his people to be his people. 
Uh, he doesn't force them. He gives them an invitation. He gives them an opportunity to respond. And He gives us an opportunity to respond. God invites us to be His people. I, I've always heard it. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you. He's going to knock on the door and He's going to invite you. And God is inviting you today to be His people. And they say, of course, we will do everything that the Lord commanded. Whatever He wants us to do, we will do. Okay, I want you to answer this. Do they? No. No. They fell over and over again. As a matter of fact, as we read through this story, they will fail before God can tell them completely what He wants them to do. And yet God gives them chance after chance. As we read the story, God gives them opportunity to respond to Him over and over. God sends oppression, and it's not oppression just simply for punishment, but it's oppression to draw people back to Him. God sends them into exile. And exile is not meant to, to, to let them go, but to draw them back. God invites us to be His people. Have you accepted? Have you failed? God's grace calls you back. But He calls them to something different. And I guess I'd never really seen this. I've seen this in the New Testament, but I've never really seen this before in the Old Testament as fully as I saw it as I prepared this message. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. See, God calls Israel to be his kingdom of priests. And I, and I got to tell you, I've not always seen that. I've missed that. And, and can I tell you, they missed it too. See, see they, they understood this ideal of unique people. But they didn't understand that they were unique because they were meant to draw other people to God. They were special because God wanted to use them. And if God couldn't use them, then they no longer were unique and special. Now, now when you think of the word priest, what do you think of? Now, see, a, a priest serves as a mediator between God and people. And so if Israel was intended to be the priest, who are the people? See, 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 the people are all the people of the earth. All those that God had not called, particularly to be his priest. Israel was to serve as this kingdom of priests to be mediators between God and the rest of humanity. See, see my, my, as I read this passage, God did not call Israel to subdue the rest of the world but he called them to be mediators between the rest of the world and God so that they could know how good God was. God intended Israel to draw people to God. Can we flash forward to the present? And, and, and see, this is old news. We, we understand that in our context. We understand that as the church. It's not about just being the church, but it's about being a kingdom of priests, the priesthood of all believers, right? We understand that. 
1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. So, so you can blame me for having to stand and turn, raise your hands and turn around, okay? I requested that song because of this verse. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. And I got to tell you, this gives me holy goosebumps. Anybody ever get holy goosebumps? But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. That's a good time to say praise the Lord. He has called you into this marvelous night light, not just for the sake of experiencing the marvelous light, but God has called you into this marvelous light to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So someone who is an intercessor for those around her. See, God's intention for Israel is His intention for us to draw all people to God. You know, I'm thinking about love you see. And, and, and I hope you're still, that's still in front of you. I, 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 I hope you're still loving your neighbor as yourself. I hope that just wasn't a series we preached and we had a, a, a joint Pentecost service with other churches and that's where it ends. But I hope you're seeing the importance of being a priest where you live. Being a priest in your neighborhood. Be, being a priest in your workplace. Think intercessor. Being an intercessor in your neighborhood. Being an intercessor in your workplace at school. Between people and God. How can you intercede? Prayer. Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you? Listening? See, I think, as I think of a priest... And, and, you know, and, and we don't function like priests most of the time. I think we are, but, but it's kind of a, it's a different context. But a priest listens, and then he makes intercession, or she makes intercession before God. Are, are you listening to your neighbor, neighbors? Are you listening to your coworkers? Are, are, are you showing God <laughs> as opportunity arises? Are you leading others to God? You know, I got to tell you, I'm not exactly sure. And, and you know, this, this, this working out and doing different things, this, this FedEx thing kind of that I'm doing for a few hours a week, I, I don't know why God's asked me to do it. I mean, it came from God. I got to tell you, it just an angry one thing. Hey, I want to go work at FedEx and, and lift 75-pound packages, you know, and, and put them on a belt. I don't know why God's asked me to do that. I really don't. Uh, but it came from God, M19. I, I sensed that God was calling me to do that. And, and I got to tell you, when, when I walk into FedEx, I don't stop being Pastor Paul. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a different person. I don't want to suddenly become FedEx Paul and, and everything goes and whatever I want to do and it's all about my agenda. But, but I have this keen awareness and can I tell you, I don't know that I experienced this before I pastored and when I, since I went back. It's been a different thing. And, and, I, and I wonder sometimes if in this setting at this time, God's trying to help me help you understand your role where you work. 
that, 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 that it's just not a place to be, but you're a priest in your workplace. I know work sometimes stinks, and all God's people said, amen, right? There, there's stinky things at work, right? Amen? But even in stinky places, God needs priests. Maybe particularly in stinky places. <laughs> That's the most times I've used stinky in a sermon ever. <laughs> in awful places, God needs his priest. He needs you to function as a priest. He needs you to listen to people. He needs you to pray for people. Here's the one awareness I've, 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 I've had as I've been out. Church problems are not problems to the rest of the people. The, the, the things we get all bent out of shape over, the rest of the world doesn't. And I'm just going to speak as a prophet now. If the church doesn't stop spinning its wheels on non-essential matters, we're going to become completely irrelevant. We fight over the stupidest stuff in the world. Amen. And until we realize that and we're planted in a place where people are having awful problems and he's calling his church to be intercessors and too many churches are caught in the drama of the color of walls. You're called to be an intercessor wherever you are. How are you representing the kingdom in your neighborhood? How are you representing the kingdom in your workplace? How are you representing the kingdom at school? Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued from the, you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is, is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the, your Lord, Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and sets it apart as holy. Honor your father and your mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is, of course, the Ten Commandments. And, and, and the Ten Commandments are, in essence, the foundation of every civilized society. That, that these, these become the foundation of 
Islam and Jewish faith and Christian faith. Every country in some form, these Ten Commandments form a basis. And the first three deal with the relationship with God. You know, how are we dealing? How are we loving God? The fourth is a mixture. Some, some qualify this as relationship with, with God, but I, but I see this as a relationship with self as well. That's who will I depend on? Will, will, will work consume me or will I depend on God? And the last five deal with relationship with others. And we don't have time to, to fully explore this, this section of scriptures in, in the few moments we have as we go through this. But, but we'll look at where the commandments start. It starts with relationship with God. It, it starts with loving God and it ends with loving others. But, but it starts with loving God. Israel was to serve one God. And this is the beginning of the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy, and they were to repeat this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And so it's attributed to Augustine. Augustine is supposedly said, love God with everything and then do what you want. <laughs> that, that, that's a somehow, if we can begin to just love God like we should love God, all these other things will fall into place. Now, other nations were different. Other nations had many gods, and their gods were tied to location. They were tied to season. Uh, they, they were tied to occupation. Uh, and, and so they worshiped many other gods. And, and Israel was going to be different. They were going to serve only God. That, that God was going to be God alone. See, God's people only serve God. And you say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't have any idols set up in my house. There's no other gods that I worship. But the truth is we're tempted to serve other gods, aren't we? There's other idols that can, that can prop, crop up in our lives that, that, that we can begin to serve the idol of money or power or pleasure, that, that other things can begin to take the place of God. And, and what God is saying in the Ten Commandments is, listen, if you want to be my kingdom, if you want to be my people, it begins with me. It begins with seeing who I am, that I am creator God, that I am the one who gave you freedom, that I am the one that give you, gives you salvation, that eternity is found in me. It begins with worshiping God and God alone. Then the rest of the law, what, what they would eat and how they would dress and Many other topics are covered. We're, we're not going to try to explore all of Leviticus and, and all God's people said. <laughs> In the meantime, God's up on the mountain. The people are down below the mountain. And they begin to get impatient. <laughs> and, and they begin to say things like, this Moses, you know, we, don't, we don't know where he's been. We don't know if he's still even alive. Maybe we need to, to make something to worship. And, and so they make this golden calf. Aaron makes this golden calf. So it's not just the people that are unfaithful, but it's Moses' own brother, the one that he's so dependent upon. You ever been felled by somebody that you depended on? See Moses. He comes down the mountain and there's this golden calf. Uh, 
And, and Aaron gives, I mean, it's, it's classic scripture. I mean, it, it's one of my favorite stories because it's so stupid sounding. Aaron says, we put the gold and we melted it and out popped this calf. <laughs> Whoop, I don't know where it came from. You know, Aaron is this poster child of not owning their own behavior. That's all about the circumstances. And, and, and I think it would have been better to say, I messed up. But we're all like Aaron at times, aren't we? That we blame circumstances. Can't, can't we just own our behavior? Then God punishes them. And then this passage. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you. For you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. In other words, God is giving them their freedom. He's giving them their leader. He's giving them their land. You can have your freedom, your land, your leader. I, I will give you everything I've promised. But he will not be with them. Clint Lauder back and I was at an exponential conference. I guess it's been about a year and a half ago and a preacher preached on this passage and I put this in the resources of, of, of sermons that or topics I wanted to talk about at some point. It was just an amazing sermon. And the question is this, would you settle for the blessing without the presence? Would you? See, I'd never seen this before, but, but God was willing to give them all that he had promised, but withhold his presence. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, you're a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from the time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request for the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrances of their own tent. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to camp, but the young man who assisted me, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. One day, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. He, you have told me I know you by name and look favorably, favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. 
what's he saying? We don't want the blessing without your presence. We don't want the land. We don't want your promises unless you're part of the promises. God relents. And he says, okay, I'll go with you. And Exodus ends like this. And the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day and at night glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. In other words, where God went, they went. It wasn't just about the blessing. Can can I tell you, I, I don't want the blessing without the presence. I, I, I'm not satisfied with the residuals of the blessing. I, I'm not satisfied with the status or comfort if God is not with me. In our church, I don't want things to appear to be right if the presence isn't here. And the truth is, I don't want to go any further unless God is going with us. So this morning is a pretty simple invitation. Will you join me? Is there anyone that will join me? Uh, we have commitment cards. Um, we have Put that next slide up. For the next 40 days until Labor Day Sunday, will you pray once a day, at least once a day? For God's presence to be evident in our church. See, I believe God's here. Sometimes we don't see him. Will you, will you fast as God so leads? Maybe one meal a week or one meal a day. Will you join me for the next 40 days? And if you're willing to join me, send me a text. There, there's my number. You can send it now. My, my, this is on do not disturb. It won't ring. If you're willing to join me for the next 40 days. If you're willing to join me, fill out a commitment card and put it in the back of the sanctuary. See, see, oftentimes we're content with the blessing. As I think about our country, I think oftentimes our country is content with the blessing, but we're not consumed with the presence. Amy, you can come. Our families, we live in the right house, we have the right cars. If everything's going okay, we're content. I'm not content with those things unless God is there in our workplaces, in your neighborhood, in our schools, in our church. Will you join me? I'm going to say a quick prayer. And uh, I I believe this message deserves a response. Uh, not, Not because of the messenger, because of the word and what we're dealing with. And I'd encourage you, if God's spoken to come, I'm going to go to the altar. I just, I just, I, I'm just not content with blessing without the presence. Um, we're going to say the prayer together. And then as Amy sings, uh, I'd invite you to come. <laughs>